The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Unlock the power of your dreams. Welcome to Ask Dr. Dream with Kelly Sullivan Walden. Welcome everyone to Ask Dr. Dream where you uncover the truth of your dreams and reveal the beauty of who you are. I'm your host Kelly Sullivan Walden. So happy to be with you today here on Unity Online Radio. The number to call if you have a dream that you'd like to share and get some insight into is 816-251-3555. Again, it's 816-251-3555. I'll be taking your dreams. Our topic today is as sick as your secrets. Um, Later in the show, I'm going to be talking to New York Times bestselling author Aspen Mattis. She's the author of Girl in the Woods. It's acclaimed. It was written up by um, Oprah and in Oprah Magazine. And she's just, I mean, this woman has so many credits to her name. It's just amazing. And she's young and inspiring. And it's all about not taking your secrets to the grave with you or even to the closet with you. It's about finding a way to air them out. So that's what we're going to talk about today. And how do dreams fit into that? I think our dreams are often revealing the places where we might have forgotten that we left those skeleton bones in our closets. We might have dug them back there so deep that we've completely forgotten about them, but our dreams haven't. It's part of the job of our subconscious mind to let us know where our power is hidden, where our gold and treasures have been hidden for safekeeping so that when we're ready for it, we can come get it because we need it and it's ours. And we're kind of limping along without it. And often those that gold is actually inside of the place where the secrets are. Now, that might be strange. That might sound like, well, my secret is something that's shameful, something that shouldn't have happened, something bad, something traumatic. But the thing is, is that when we excavate those places we discover a resilience, a wisdom, a compassion that we never would have had had the offending incident or thing happen to us. So this is all about uncovering your power. Dreams are all about discovering your true power. But let's just do a little centering, shall we? Because there's a lot of talk. Well, lots to talk about today. Lots going on in the world. So let's just stop and take a big, deep breath right now. And ah, just allow the exhale to help you to release and let go of any chatter, any drama, any worry or hurry or flurry or scurry or anything that makes you blurry, anything that doesn't have you feel completely on the mountaintop of your highest self-expression, your highest clearest, most alive sense of self. So release all of that that's in the way. Clear the windshield. 
so that with every brand new breath, you can breathe in your connection to the sunlight of the spirit. Just get the sense that it's shining directly on you, just for you and no one else but you. You are the apple of the eye of the universe. You are precious, whole, complete, more powerful than you realize. And really the troubles, the challenges that you're dealing with are really just helping you to excavate. They're helping to be that grist for the mill so that you can you can dive deep and discover the beauty of who you are. If there weren't any challenges, if our political situation was perfect all the time, then we might never really grow. We might never really have reason to have to drop deep within our inner well and and find that respite, find that connection with God, with spirit, with the angels that gives gives us a peace that passes human understanding. So we could be grateful for the things that challenge us and call on all the tools that we can and call on our dreams to help us sort this stuff out and find the unique solutions that are here just for you. Your unique solutions are coming in in freshly minted via your dreams just for you so that you can you can reveal yourself and that means reveal all. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Let's just give thanks and say a big giant amen for all this technology, for all the beautiful people at Unity Online Radio, Jeff and Lewis behind the scenes that are amazing helping everything run smoothly and Diane Ray and my dear friend Nancy Telzero that's on the line right now who's going to help me talk about some dreams and about uncovering our shadow so that we don't have to be sick so that we can be well and healthy and live transparent lives so welcome Nancy T to Ask Dr. Dream how are you doing my sweet you sound great. <laughs> oh my goodness, I can barely hear you. You can Uh-oh. still hear me? Am I louder oh, there now? You. Okay. I switched locations so you couldn't hear the wind in the background. And now there's my wind. <laughs> I'll take the wind beneath your wings. I'll, I think I'll take the wind. I think it's good. But um, as you're maybe moving to a, a more cell phone friendly location, I just want to bring up um, the, the kinds of dreams that represent the topic that we're talking about today, the secret dreams, like the, if you know that there is like, if you hear the topic, you're as sick as your secrets and you think, well, wow, that's equally disturbing and inspiring because it contains both the problem and the solution. The problem being there's a secret, the solution being, well, share it with somebody and then you won't be sick anymore. And if you're not sick, you'll be well. And if you're well, then you'll have the mojo and the energy to get to the business of what you came here to do. So, Nancy, are you still hearing me? Are you there? I still am here, absolutely. And I was was actually glancing through some of the dreams that we got in the mail recently, Mm. and it made me think of the one dream about babies. Um, If Ah. I may share it with you, speaking of this could have to do with some sort of secret or something that a person's um, not letting go of. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so um, the dream, it, this comes from a wonderful woman, and she says that in her dream, babies are everywhere. They're on the floor. 
they're in the corner, they're in places babies should not be. And <laughs> she said, the floor is uneven as she walks through her house trying to find them. And it's sort of like a morbid, uh, you know, Easter egg hunt, but only for babies. And she has in her arms at least 10 tiny babies. And she knows there are more, and she wakes up terrified that she lost track of one or two. Her name is Alicia. Oh. She's from Hawaii. So I know she's she's basking in beautiful weather, but she's obviously bothered by this dream. What do you say? Oh, Alicia, thank you so much for sharing this dream. I'm going to call you AKA Fertile Myrtle. So babies in a dream are wonderful, and they then everything you got to think just symbolically. If it were my dream, I'd think that I'm incredibly creative and babies represent creative projects, new beginnings, maybe new relationships. And sometimes if you're the kind of person that is a creative type or, or is a yes type of person that you hear about, Hey, want to go to Hawaii? Yes. I want to go to Hawaii. Do you want to swim with dolphins? Yes. If you're the yes kind of person, then you might as Esther Hicks would say, launch rockets of desire left, right, and center. So you've got projects, you've got yeses out there that perhaps you can't possibly keep up with. That's the feeling I get about Alicia's dream, that that she's maybe launched too many rockets of desire, too many, sent too many babies into existence that she can't necessarily take care of. And I can relate to this. I totally relate to this because I in the past have been somebody very prone to say yes to life and don't want to say no to anything. Sometimes suffering from a little bit of FOMO, fear of missing out. And, and But the problem with that is sometimes you can't do the things that you start off well. And some of those things slip through the cracks. And sometimes you forget about some of the promises that you made and some of the commitments you made. So that's my hunch about all of these babies. Um, I know there's a friend of mine that we used to talk about how every time we were together, we'd get so creative that we'd be birthing babies everywhere. We were like bunny rabbits. And we had to get really selective and only pick the best ideas that we could say yes to. So it's a real high quality problem. That's my perspective. Nancy, you got a, a sense about this? Anything you want to add since you've got lots of babies going on in your life? <laughs> really fertile <laughs> myrtle yourself. I, you know, it's interesting because I, I 100% am on board with everything you said, and I guess I would add to that that the very fact that she's she's got a bunch of them in her arms and a couple she's afraid she can't account for, mm. I think the for me it would be that look how much I am holding. Not so much right. about those Ooh, that's that very do, good. But just the idea that I am holding a lot. I do have a, I am able to take care of a lot. Look how much I can juggle at once. And, and so I think that's a nice Oh, it's like that saying, if you want to get something done, give the assignment yeah, to a busy good. woman, somebody who's yeah. already juggling a lot. And yeah, a few things might drop off, but she's going to get a lot done. There's a lot mm -hmm. of momentum there. So I think that's a great perspective. And this is one reason why I always tell people, don't be afraid of your dreams. Your dreams are always giving you good news. They're, it's never about bad news. It's always something that's good about you, better about you than you might have realized. I think we're so critical of ourselves. I imagine Alicia might think, wow, this dream is really pointing out where I've gone, where something bad is happening. Um, this is a bad omen. But really, as as you mentioned, Nancy, this is this should be a pat on her back. She's doing really good, but perhaps going forward so as to not make herself cray cray, 
just think less is more and what is it that I absolutely must do? What is, I think the question, I heard somebody ask this question, um, something, a question that you should ask the universe, what's the best use of me? Universe, what's the best use of me? And from that perspective, when the things come to your plate, when the when the doors knock in and people are wanting you to do things and you're wanting to say yes to everything, screen everything by what's the best use of me? Not to, not what's a good use of me, but what's the best use of me? So we are at we're on Ask Doctor Dream. If you've got a dream like Alicia's dream, you can call in eight one six two five one. Three five five five. Yes, dreams are revealing. So if you want to change your name, you can. But don't be shy. We all have them, and everyone's dream is a contribution. Later in the show today, we're going to talk to Aspen Mattis, the best-selling author of *Girl in the Woods*. And one of the reasons why I want to talk to Aspen is about how her whole novel, that is a best time um, New York Times best-selling um, novel, is really about her being so revealed. And I think in some way, if we live a transparent life, then we can save our dreams from having to do so much of the heavy lifting for us. We can actually like free up our bandwidth in our dreams to have super creative dreams where we don't, we're not just solving problems in our dreams, but we're actually going to new places and exploring new frontiers that humans haven't done yet. And that's what's possible, I think, if we kind of prepare ourselves to live transparently. So what do you think about that, Nance? And are there any other dreams that have been emailed in? Or... I love what you said, and I'm all about transparency lately. I'm trying to get better and better at that. So we're mm. all on that walk together. But there's one other dream I thought you should probably talk about, which would be great mm. before Aspen. And it's the title of this dream is called, I Made Eye Contact with a Whale. <laughs> <laughs> Holy cow. Okay, so Dana from, from North Carolina, thanks for sending this in. Um, she says she's walking toward the beach, running her hand along a bumpy wall. She sits on a bench that's that's protruding from the wall, and suddenly she hears the wall take a deep breath and sigh. Oh, gosh. And <laughs> it startled her, so she turns to look at the wall only to find a gigantic eye looking back at her. She jumps back, realizes it's not a wall, it's a whale. She gazes into its eye, and surprisingly, she stops being afraid because she becomes enveloped mm-hmm. more love than she could ever imagine. Whew. Oh my God. I what love this dream so much. This is okay. So from the perspective, I just want to look at a common denominator. One perspective of dreams is that they're always revealing our power and our secret power and power that maybe we we couldn't possibly claim. I mean, I, I refer back to Marianne Williamson's quote, our deepest fear is not that we're inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we're powerful beyond measure. And <clears throat> a dream about a giant animal and a whale, it doesn't get much more giant than a whale unless it's a dinosaur. But I think whales are probably 
among the biggest animals we have. And it's kind of the, uh, the whale of power. We are so powerful. So I think Dana, and I love that name because it's also my husband's name. <laughs> I feel very connected to Dana. Um, it feels like you're looking into the eye, this dream, if it were my dream, I'm looking into the eye of my powerful self. And it's interesting that the that the word I is is wordplay for I, like my identity. So it's kind of like making eye contact with my identity, my ultimate power. And also whales kind of represent a certain type of power. It's not a macho power that's saying like, I am strong and you are weak and ha ha ha, I am, I will lord over you. A whale for most people that are familiar with whales, in fact, there's a whole bunch of people in the dreaming community that that um, there's a that that talk about whale dreams all the time as a phenomenon. It's whales represent the use of our power in a nonviolent way, in a way that is inclusive, in a way that is that is big but doesn't take up space. It it provides space. It's enlightened. Some people think that if you're dreaming about whales or or dolphins, that you're actually becoming entrained to a more enlightened way of being. That perhaps, and this is starting to get woo-woo out there, but I think I think y'all can handle that. If you're dreaming about dolphins and whales, you are really tapping into the what's next to the 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 next leg of evolution of our species. And this is one way to quicken that process. So if you want to have more whale and dolphin dreams, think about them. Think about those dreams. Think about those creatures before you go to sleep and um, incubate them. So if you're having dream FOMO about Dana's dream, you don't have to have FOMO. You can just start thinking about dolphins and whales before you go to sleep. And that's the thing. It's like the good news is, is our dreams and our life dream, because we're always dreaming, is always, if we look at what's behind the scenes, it's always that there's just blessings back there. It's never that we discover that, oh my God, we really are a piece of, of you know, cosmic fluff and we're an oops and <laughs> we shouldn't be here. It's like, no, we are on a mission and there's more of us where where this comes from. So what what gets triggered to you, Nancy, by all that whale talk, all that deep diving? I keep thinking of the belly of the whale when we mm. when we talk about the hero's journey. And, oh, God bless you! Uh, Thanks for bringing you that know, in. You know, and just how and, and what that means to us, and how that affects us, and how it's so important to be there in order to come out the other side. So, mm. any sort of symbol with a whale, it just feels good to me. Um, it, yeah, that's that's oh. where it took, took me right it's, there. Well, I'll do a shameless plug for a moment. I've got the the Hero's Journey Dream Oracle cards that are going to be coming out in December, the Hero's Journey Dream Oracle cards with Rasuli. And I am so crazy passionate about dreams and equally passionate about the Hero's Journey. And it's partly because as I've worked the Hero's Journey and looked at it and done workshops on it and and um I've I've probably examined it probably, I don't know, hundreds of times. And the the belly of the whale stage of the hero's journey used to totally terrify me. And 
I used to think, man, is there, isn't there a way to bypass that stage? And for those of you who are not familiar with the hero's journey, it's, it's according to Joseph Campbell, who put it on the map, it's part of the, the software of all of us humans. It's part of who we are. It's the way we're wired. It's why so many movies like Star Wars and the Matrix and Groundhog's Day and, and the Wizard of Oz and, and any movie that you've seen that has been a good movie, it's hit on the 12 stages, not the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous, but the 12 stages of the hero's journey where you start in the ordinary world, you get a call to adventure, you feel resistant, reluctant, you don't wanna go, but you meet a mentor that helps you cross the threshold into the special world or as Stephen Pressfield likes to call it, the inverted world where the hatters are mad and where everything turns upside down, kind of like dreams. This is why dreams and the hero's journey are so related. And in the special world, in the inverted world, you meet tests, allies, enemies, and eventually you fall into the belly of the whale and you can't, av you can't avoid it and you can't afford to want to avoid it. It's, it's where you develop your depth. It's where you develop your, your introspection, your ability to think in your ability to find your own counsel apart from the outside world. And once you kind of nestle into the belly of the whale, you realize that it's kind of cozy in there and you, the moment you like it and you stop resisting it, it kicks you out and then you're back on the rest of the hero's journey. There's an ordeal or great opportunity that you must face. And then you get your gift or your reward. And then it's all about how you can figure out the path back home to where you started from. But by the time you get home with your elixir, you're no longer the same person that you started off as, or more accurately, you are the true person you've been all along. You're the true man, like in the Truman Show. You're the true version of you, minus all the extra fluff and costume. You're the revealed heroic version of you with a gift to share. So the belly of the whale, when you go into the belly, oh my Lord, it can seem so scary. It can seem so dark, but oh man, it's become one of my favorite, favorite places. It's kind of like from and I'm so glad you brought this up Nancy it's like it's it's the way of looking at our secrets in the ordinary world the belly of the whale seems horrible but in the extraordinary world or the special world the belly of the whale is awesome in the ordinary world our secrets are something that we guard deeply to our chest we we don't want anyone to know about them and in the extraordinary world we actually find a sense of pride and a sense of of relishing these secrets and they become our greatest thing. So everything that is true for us in ordinary reality gets flipped on its head. I'm so, so, so glad you brought that up. Oh my Lord. I just want to spend more time in the belly of the whale. In the darkness is where we find our light. Don't you find that true, Nance? I sure do. I sure do. And I know that I've when I experienced that and then I come out the other side, I go, holy crap, had I not experienced that, I wouldn't be where I am today. So exactly. It's, it's and I think we can apply this well. <laughs> to even some of the political stuff going on and the people that are myself and you, I know, included. It can be, you know, we can feel ourselves in, in yet another belly of the whale where we can feel so many women because of the 
because of um, Kavanaugh being being sworn in as a Supreme Court judge, many women I know right now are feeling overlooked, feeling minimized, feeling like they don't matter. And it can feel like a very dark time. But if we see it from the perspective of, okay, we're in the belly, this is a dark time. So this is the time to turn on our inner light and and to stop looking for the external fixes that we used to lean on as our crutches. Now it's time for us to develop our superpowers, our abilities to be intuitive and psychic and have powerful lucid dreams and and to live more powerfully. Wouldn't you say, Nance, how, how would you apply the belly of the whale to the current situation? Oh my goodness. This current situation is does feel like like we're in the belly and we're just going to be there forever and we're taking in all the fish that come through. I mean, <laughs> we're you know, we go, Are you kidding? How much can this whale eat while we're in here? Um and <laughs> And that is, I get overwhelmed, but I have to remember some of the beauty that's already happened because of this. And yes. some of it has, Let's talk has about just that. been to, to illuminate what I didn't recognize was there. It, even if it was an issue or a problem or something, you can't fix the problem without being aware of its existence. So, you know, this, is, this has brought the, all of that to light. And I keep, I keep thinking, okay, well, whatever this is, I know it can't last because that thing that was last year, that didn't. So mm. that's what I hold on to and know that, you know, brighter days are ahead. And for whatever mm. reason lately, apparently, since my daughter's been with me every day, she says I've been laughing in my sleep every single night. So there's something oh. my subconscious knows that I don't, but I'm I'm willing to go back to sleep <laughs> to find out what it is. Well, it never <laughs> hurts to look for the humor. In fact, I've... Dana and I um, watched the Joe Rogan, his most recent comedy special. He's very off color, by the way. But I found so much healing and just laughing from his perspective at the ridiculousness of all of this. And he was relating. Well, you'll have to see it. You'll have to see it. It's so it's it's so funny. He has his own podcast, too. He has a whole podcast. Joe Rogan has a podcast as well. Oh my yeah. God. And so, and Sarah Silverman. Wow. What a rock star. Talk about Jeez. comedians. I mean, bringing humor to, to the pain, you know, one positive thing. I know um, someone was telling me about this gathering in Washington of a thousand women that are all throwing their hat in the ring to run for Congress, Senate, local politics, and they're all being mentored by other women who have who have been in politics. So because of the current situation, there's so much that's happening. So many women are coming out. And, and so there's a million positive things that are happening. So Nancy, thank you for joining me for this segment. When we come back from this quick break, we're going to be talking to Aspen Mattis best-selling author of Girl in the Woods. We're going to be talking about your sick as your secrets here on Ask Dr. Dream. It's going to be juicy. Join me. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. If you've been inspired by the programming on Unity Online Radio, we hope you will give your support so others may be inspired too. 
This online radio network depends on the support of listeners like you to continue operating and expand its outreach. Go to unityonlineradio.org and click on Donate today. Here's a Unity Mindful Moment with Eric Butterworth, taken from the live lecture, A Course in Practical Metaphysics. Healing is the experience in our life of coming out of the darkness into the light, getting out of the confusion of human consciousness into the allness which is always present. But the allness of infinite life is present even within the illness. So God is not a healer. He doesn't look down upon you and say, well, you're sick, but you're a good person and I like you very much, so I'm going to take this illness away from you. God doesn't take illness away from anybody, nor does God put illness into anyone, which belies a lot of traditional religious thought, too. We talk about, well, suffered to be so, it's God's will, and I guess it's my place to accept it. The will of God must always be the ceaseless longing of the Creator to express itself in that which has created. So it's a constancy, it's a force, which is ever seeking to press itself out into visibility as life, as wholeness, as success. To find out more about Eric Butterworth, visit unity.org. Did you know you can reach Unity's 24-7 prayer ministry online? You don't even have to give your name to know the prayers have begun for you or those you love. Someone has been praying around the clock at Silent Unity since 1890, and every request is taken into prayer for 30 days. Why not let us pray with you, too? To submit your prayer request to Silent Unity online, go to unity.org and click on prayer, or call 816-969-2000. Join your favorite spiritual teachers for the most extraordinary Soul Fest of the year, November 2nd through 5th at the Celebrate Your Life Conference in Phoenix, Arizona. This transformational weekend event features some of the world's leading spiritual new thought leaders, including Marianne Williamson, Neil Donald Walsh, Dr. Joe Dispenza, Caroline Mace, Greg Braden, Denise Lynn, and more. Unity listeners save an additional $75 off with coupon code UNITY. Visit CelebrateYourLifeEvents.com. That's CelebrateYourLifeEvents.com and register today. Recovery from addiction can be a lonely experience. Get help and support with Reverend Lonnie Vanderslice, Reverend Dan Beckett, and Spirit of Recovery every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central. Welcome to a place where spirituality and recovery meet. Each week you'll hear stories and topics that are important to the recovery community. Tune in for some lively conversation and join in with your questions and comments. Nearly 21 million people struggle with addiction in America. Reach out and join us here on UnityOnlineRadio.org. Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. Dream interpretation and a lot more. Welcome back to Ask Dr. Dream with Kelly Sullivan Walden. Welcome back to Ask Dr. Dream. I'm so excited to have this opportunity to talk to this amazing woman that has become someone so dear to my heart. Like in like in such a short period of time, she now lives in basically in the center of my heart. She's one of my favorite people on the planet. Her name is Aspen. Mattis. And she's so inspiring, not just because of her critically acclaimed memoir, Girl in the Woods, 
but because of the being that she is and the way she lives her life, the the transparent way that she lives, she walks her talk, talks her walk. She is so incredible. So her book was published by Harper Collins in 2015, called A Powerful Read by Oh, the Oprah magazine, the book that made the Guardian's annual top 50 list. The New York Times magazine um, said that, in, I don't know, she's gotten just reviews all over the place. Oh, New York Times named Aspen Mattis a hero after. So she was raped on her second night in college and then she dropped out depressed and shocked that her school didn't believe her and didn't protect her. She sought solace in a remote wilderness. She found the Pacific Crest Trail, some call it the PCT, and she hiked the entire footpath. That's over 2,000 miles from Mexico to Canada. Inspired by the beauty and turmoil enveloping her on the trail, She wrote poems, personal accounts, and dispatches from her tent. After moving to New York City, she published an account in um, in the New York Times Modern Love column to outstanding praise, which then led to the publishing of her memoir. HarperCollins was like, I want that. And they got her and her book went on to just be a massive success. It's so beautifully written. So it's not just that her story is fantastic, that she takes something tragic and turns it into triumph, but it's the way that she does it and the way that she lives and the way that she takes in the details of life and really lives her life in such a poetic way. Um, she's got, there's been the television rights for her memoir purchased by new normal. And uh, there's a scripted TV series in the works. And she is now working on her second memoir called missing person. And I've had a chance to read some of the chapters and right now I'm literally covered in chills and it's super warm in here. So it's not about the temperature. It's about the chill factor of how powerful this new book is also going to be. And again, this is a true story. It's her memoir. It's about her her then husband's vanishing. It's a deep mystery and her own subsequent discovery and creative awakening. And she really lives like she lives the saying, you're as sick as your secrets. And she really doesn't have any. And she's pretty much healed and a healer, even though she wouldn't necessarily call herself a healer, I feel healed around her. My skeletons come running out of the closet. They don't want to be in hiding anymore. In fact, she's inspiring me to write my memoir, which, oh, this is quite, this is, this is way harder than I expected, but because of Aspen's bravery, I'm inspired. So I hope you will be too. Welcome Aspen Mattis to Ask Dr. Dream. So happy to have you here. Welcome. Kelly, that was the most beautiful introduction I've ever gotten. And oh my gosh, I'm so happy to be talking to you. I just love you so much and I want to share you with the world. So I do have I do have an agenda. I you know, if I think about what's the purpose of this show, what am I doing? I think I want to inspire people. So one way to do that is to invite them to and introduce them to the people that have inspired me. But my other agenda is I want to live in a world that 
that is transparent. I don't want to live in a world where I have to do the emotional math when I hear a politician talking on television. I want to have a sense that what people say they mean, and and at least that they're in the process of excavating. I want to live in that kind of a world. I feel like we would, there'd be a lot more joy. There'd be a lot more connectivity. There wouldn't be so much pain and suffering. So that's why I have you on the show. I think you're part of my master plan, <laughs> ruling the universe in a way where we can all be free and transparent. So I let that out of the closet. There you go. So yeah, what's your I, master I, plan? Aspen, if you, if there was some big message that people could get from hearing you, what, what, what would it be? Um, it would be pretty similar to yours. Oh my goodness. It's really, World domination. Like, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's really like this, people have this, like, it, it's ingrained in like, in the messages we get from media and from our parents from a young age, it's kind of in like the the story that we've been told again and again and again, like since we were really small, that like if we show vulnerability or if we show who we really are, then people couldn't possibly love us and right. won't like us as much as if, if we project what we think they might want or what seems successful or what seems good, you know, by someone, by some outside standard. When in fact, like, if you show like what you're afraid of or what you're ashamed of or the things that you consider secret, like your deepest, darkest um, shames that you want to hide, whenever you are honest about those things and you, you speak about them and you tell the truth, people always respond with, like always respond, they might be, you know, there are certainly people who will be uncomfortable because your honesty will bring up in them the things that they're hiding and make them feel, you know, like frauds. And you might get, right. like, you know, resistance in that way, but they always feel. And they and that is that is the real path to true connection with another person always. Right, right. It's. And it's I was talking so in the earlier segment about how one of the reasons, I mean, this show, we talk about dreams. And I always like to say that the rules of understanding dreams are to look at the world inverted, to look at everything you've been taught upside down, dark as light. Um, instead of running from the scary things, run toward the scary things. The worst thing is the best thing. And I feel like that's true for the hero's journey. And it's true. And I think it's true for what I've been learning from you. It's like in the ordinary world, it is about keeping up appearances and looking good. I mean, I even think for some reason, I keep thinking about Jackie Onassis and um, Jackie Kennedy, I should say, Jackie Onassis Kennedy, how they, she, there was such a, a conversation around her family, like we protect each other, we we keep our secrets, we take them to our grave so that we have so that we can be successful in the world. So if nobody knows our secrets, then we can we can have a place in society. But if people know who we really are, then we're sunk. And and even as elegant and as beautiful as a soul as she was, I, I think of her as being kind of the archetype of let's let's suck it all up, let's let's hide it. So, and yet 
like, oh, it's, it's so, to me, it feels like such a waste of energy. I feel like we need to flip it. I feel like we need to invite politicians to step up that do have a past and that own their past. And, and, and we vote for them because they're honest and we trust them, not just because they've been able to pay off um, the right people, but <laughs> because they could yeah, I, go for it. I, I, to- I totally agree. I'm sorry. I just cut you um, off. Um, no, jump in, please. I want to hear you. Okay. There, so I think there are two real problems with that Jackie Onassis Kennedy um, model. And I think they're unavoidable if you're going to, keep secrets and one is like all the people who admire you and adore you and respect you you secretly feel like if they really knew you if they like actually knew the things that you've worked so hard to protect and hide then they wouldn't love you so therefore they don't actually love you and you feel like a liar and you feel like a fraud and that's unavoidable if the love is conditional on people not knowing the truth. And then Ooh, the other well consequence of that. Yeah, keep going. Yeah, like the other consequence I think is less personal and much bigger than just the personal. It's that we like create and reinforce and create and reinforce this story and this atmosphere of like, of shame, really, of right. the idea that, like, if you, you know, if X, Y, Z happened to you or if you ever did X, Y, Z, then you're somehow less valuable and less human and really less, less human than someone right. who has a quote-unquote clean past. And that's just, it's like an absurd story that is only real if you believe that it is. And... The more people who are buying into it, the more people believe that it is and we're reinforcing it by pretending not to be who we are. Because the truth is everybody has things that embarrass them in their past and everybody has things they did that they regret and, and things they're ashamed of. And anyone who says they don't and that, and that they have a, a clean and perfect, pristine past is pretending. And they're acting. right, and really they're lying. <laughs> right, it's just. I mean, I feel like ever as I hear you, I just want everyone in the world to hear you and to and to have this to to have this in their ear because I, it is so liberating. I mean, I think about Brene Brown, who I love, 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 love. One of her famous quotes is people need to earn the right to hear your shame. And when I heard her say that, I really loved it because it felt true to me. Like, oh yeah, not everybody at a certain point in my evolution deserves the right to hear my, my horrible secrets because they might not use it. They might use it against me. They might, um, they, I don't know, they might gossip about it. It might become this horrible thing, but then at some point, I mean, at, we're going to get, I want to get personal with you because you, you not only shared your secret with, with people that didn't honor it, but you kept sharing. Eventually you got to the point where you were able to share your secrets with the world and you have this amazing life to show for it. So can you address that 
perspective that that at some point people need to earn the right to hear your shame but then at some point the 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 price you pay for letting the world know your shame is is a big price that you pay but it's also a bigger payoff than just keeping it to yourself so i don't know anywhere you want to go with all of that <laughs> dive in absolutely <laughs> oh my gosh well first of all i've never heard um that quote people have to earn the right to hear your shame and I, I find it really interesting I'm not quite sure what I think about it because mm. I I think it creates an extra wall like I think it creates like an extra step that isn't quite I mean I think on one level on almost like on the family level on the intimate level it's got to be true because if you're constantly exposing yourself to the same abuse or the same like Right. You know, if someone is buying into that, like, narrative that, like, if you raped, if you were raped, I'm sorry, it was your fault, or you must have done something to cause it, like, you're not, you're not responsible for transforming their worldview. And it right. definitely makes sense to create um, some way of, you know, of some self-protection and not, like, constantly exposing yourself and exposing yourself to that again and again. However, I would say that if you really zoom out, um, the, like, the world is not your, like, you know, your mother or your, you know, your, your boyfriend or your ex-husband or whoever the person you're hiding from is, and you will find your people and you will find compassion. And I think for me, (laughs) I was, so I was, on the second night of my freshman year of college, like before classes had even started, before I had like taken the colorful construction paper name tag off of my dorm room door, mm. I was raped by another freshman in my dorm room. And mm. I had only had sex, had, had, had only had sex once before that in my, in my life. Um, and I was shattered. I was devastated. And um there was a detail like in the in the days and weeks and months and really year after that really haunted me um about my own role in that and my own behavior and it was that after he had raped me i had asked him if he would please sleep over like i begged him to sleep over to stay and he said no and he told me i was crazy to ask for that because he knew it what he had done and then he left and he didn't say and for months really for like more than a year after I replayed that and replayed that in my mind and I was like I must be crazy like who asked their rapist to stay like this must be evidence that there's something wrong with me and like that I must I must be sick to have asked for that and I thought I must be the only one who would who had made such an irrational request and that it was something about me and it was evidence that there was something wrong with me really like that was what I took away from it Mm. but I couldn't forget it I couldn't deny it and years later um so I was nine I was 18 when I was when I was raped um years later when I was 22 I, so four years later, a whole, like, what would have been a college career later had I finished college, I dropped out and I left after 
this happened. But four whole years later, I finally decided that not speaking about this thing and omitting it was more unbearable than speaking about it. Mm. And I finally wrote about it. And I wrote about it in the larger, the context of the larger story of my dropping out and hiking from Mexico to Canada in an effort to heal. And I told the whole story. I said, you know, that I asked him to sleep over and he told me I was crazy and he left. And then I felt ashamed and I expected backlash. I expected to hear from hundreds or thousands of people who were like, well, if she asked him to sleep over, then she obviously wanted this and this must not have been right. Like I, I was braced for that. And I almost, I didn't care because it was just more unbearable to hold the secret inside me and have it consume me than it was to just face whatever voices, you know, came from the outside. At least it was, it was out of me. And that is not what happened. Instead, I heard from hundreds and probably over the years now, thousands, um, of young women and older women and even men and, and like, it's all kinds of people who told me I also was nice to my rapist after, or I dated him for years. I was so ashamed. Like, and how can, who dates the rapist? Or I wrote him love songs and performed them live on stage and, mm. you know, <laughs> or I wrote him love poetry or um, one woman tutored her rapist for an entire semester in chemistry and he was probably going to do very poorly in chemistry, but she <laughs> devoted herself to making sure he did well in wow. the chemistry class. Wow. All I know is, and, is when I, I remember I was jogging on the beach listening to an interview with you um, about this and and I had just started reading your book and I literally stopped on the beach and burst into tears because I hadn't even thought about it and I had never told anybody that I not only dated a guy that raped me, but he became a boyfriend of mine for several months. And I didn't even think that it was rape because in my mind it was too painful to even call it that. And and I and I thought, well, I he's a good person. I mean, I had to rationalize it. And in some way, as you were just speaking, it made me think in a situation like that, there it's I think the primal self takes over. And the prime my primal self, I can think about how I felt then, was so about like protection mode. And it mm -hmm. felt like I would be like if we were out in the wild, literally like you were out in the wild <laughs> after getting raped, you went out in the wild. This is interesting. But if we were like living in caveman days and somebody raped me in caveman days, it would be smart of my survival to still bond with them in some way because I'd be in some way then protected from someone else or there would be some connection that would hopefully I don't know, make something worse. I'd fend something worse off in some way or making friends with the enemy. It's better to keep your enemies close in some way. I don't know, but it feels very primitive and also yeah. smart from a survival perspective, like not stupid, not bad, very strange and not ordinary, but 
but it makes sense. So I so appreciate you being willing to say the thing that you thought would cause such a backlash and it being just one more place of healing personally that I've found. And I know, and thank God so many other people have found it too. What a phenomenon. And most people don't know this. Yeah. And like you're, Kelly, you're so brave to share, to share your story right now. And I think like what happens instead, like we, like I thought I was the only one you probably you blocked it out and, and you thought I just numbed it. I didn't even go. I didn't even process it any further. Like literally my best friends didn't even know. Like it wasn't, it was that buried. So it's, it's kind of scary. I mean, it's also kind of beautiful mm-hmm. that there's this survival instinct that takes over. And I think that's the difference. If we're going to just survive, then it's probably fine to keep really good secrets but if anyone, whoever's right. listening to this show, we're not just, people don't come to a show like this or come to a Unity online radio because they want to just survive better. You come here because you want to thrive. So that's where the rules get flipped. If you want to thrive, I think it becomes all about exposing these secrets, don't you think? Right. Like, it's like, for me, it was like this secret, like a dark pearl inside of me that was consuming me and a rape mm-hmm. and your shame surrounding that rape is too big a secret to hold inside you forever. It will consume you. It will take your energy and to call a rape a rape, which is like sometimes the hardest step, like the hardest part even to speak and share and, and call a spade a spade is really liberating. It takes the rape and it makes it, like you are not the horrible, disgusting, terrible thing the rape is. And it's something outside right. of you. And it's something with a name. And it's not who you are. It's something that happened. Mm. And, it, and it shrinks it. It really makes it separate once you can speak. And in the caveman days of, uh, uh, like, we didn't have <laughs> language for it. We didn't have the, we didn't have the capacity. We didn't have the technology that is language to take that next evolution, like that, to, 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 um, to create the alchemy that is telling a story. Telling a story can take something that is horrible, the worst thing in your life, and turn it into something beautiful, and turn it into an allegory, and turn it into a fable, and turn it into a, a teaching or a lesson for yourself and for anyone who hears it. And that's like this the is magic. The, uh... This is so powerful. It's like, so there's, there's steps on the stairway. Like if, if, if you've done, if you get nothing else from, from listening to this show, talking to listeners, then if you've got a secret, then find some safe person to share it with at least one person that has maybe earned the right to hear your shame. And then once you've done that, I think what, what I've learned from you, Aspen, is it's not just enough to share it. That's, that's a start with, with one person, but then to, to make art out of it. So if you're a writer, write about it. If you're an artist, if you're a painter, paint it. If you're a sculptor, sculpt it. If you're a dancer, dance it. Or if you don't even know what your thing is, then just be open to, to, you know, putting a collage of leaves together, (laughs) do something, or just be open to finding a creative place for it. And I feel like that begins to evolve the thing. Greg Braden, who I just interviewed um, for the Ageless Living series, was talking about how in the body, it's not the trauma that we endure that creates illness and aging. It's 
that it's the trauma that we haven't processed and turned into beauty that that's stuck. So if we even if we remember the trauma, but we're calling it trauma and we're calling it this bad mark across like this black mark across us, or this is this is my shame, then it's still not processed. It hasn't been elevated to the level of art. And it can hurt you. It's not neutral. It's Aspen, you were saying something. Do you remember what you were saying about the the skeleton and or the the being that's been bound and gagged in the closet? It's not neutral. <laughs> right. I don't. I don't remember precisely what I said, but it gets stinky and smelly, yeah. and it's like it's yeah, it's bouncing it's like around in there. It's not. It's like the the secrets that we keep, what we call our skeletons in our closet, are never things that we have no emotions attached to, and things that. Like they're not, they're never not charged with the energy of life and really with, with like closed off, cut off, rotting flesh. Right. Like it's, they, 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 they smell to us. They, yes. They, and, they and then, and by it. revealing it, it can turn into perfume. It can turn into elixir that can heal. So Aspen, yes. I, I want everyone to go to your website. It's Aspen slash or aspen-mattis.com. That's M-A-T-I-S.com. I think everybody should go to the Modern Love podcast and listen to Aspen's story that was not just written up in Modern Love in New York Times, but also they added her to the podcast. Aspen, I wish you so much luck with your new novel, Missing Person. So excited about this. Thank you for being on the show today. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Do you ever feel that calling that you should be doing more with your life? If you're unhappy with the status quo, I can help. My name is Elias Patras, and I'm an intuitive motivator, psychic medium, and motivational speaker. I know that feeling, and on my podcast, Your Inner Voice, I can help you answer that call to step into your life's purpose. I will show you how to recognize and listen to the signs and signals that are all around us and help you tap into your intuition. Join me for the show here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network and wherever you get your podcasts. Let's connect, educate, and grow on this journey together.